Oh, there it is. Oh, I almost sent you a picture of poop today. <laughs> Why? Because my dog laid a poop that looked like a penis. It had two little balls <laughs> on the end and everything. I was like, <laughs> I don't know well, if they would appreciate this or if they would just be disgusted because it's poop, but it's kind of funny and it looks like a dick. It's kind of funny and it's kind of disgusting. This is the quality type of content that our listeners come to the episode for. Oh, that was recorded. That's awesome. You were listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode number 172, side A. This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining things, including Rob's dog's poop. This is a side A episode, which means we will talk about pop culture, entertainment news, movies, music, books, great state of Florida, and whatever else caught our eye this week. My name is St. James, patron, patron saint of excellent movie choices. Fail. <laughs> that is incorrect, sir. And I am joined by Saint Gregory, patron of flatulence, and Saint Roberto, patron of sexual deviance. Yeah, that's probably accurate as well, actually. <laughs> this week we're going to talk about the new Epic's original film, Saint Maud. They show crime scene vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, and two books. We'll be talking about The Age of Iron by Angus Watson and The Decibel Diaries by Carter Allen. Ooh, it's a bookgasm this week. We don't get a lot of books, but... Not a book, nook. Hell yeah. Yeah, I finished finished quite a few books. I had to decide which one to bring to the table. And these are actual... These type of... Did you know, Rob, that books come in the paper format? You actually read a book. I'm so proud of you. And I've, killed the tree I've, to actually, do it, you monster. I've read a, actually a bunch. Everything I've been reading recently has actual, actually been reading. Like, not audible. I'm saving the environment, you monster. You take two-hour showers. Th- that's beside the point. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> Why are you going to bring up old shit? Two-hours. Uh... Yes, but I used to stay in his place. I, I stayed at his place in California, and I thought he had died in the shower because I heard his alarm go off at an ungodly early in the morning, but it wasn't early for me because I had just come out from the east. And I heard the alarm go off, then I hear a shower start, and then I drifted back to sleep, and I wake up an hour later, and the shower's still going. I'm like, is he dead? <laughs> I was sleeping. <laughs> he goes to sleep oh, wow. in the shower. Anyway... That was a spoiler. We are going to talk about some stuff, including we might talk a little bit about WandaVision again, because there's some things that I, I, I learned that I want to talk about. Uh, so we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about the books. Probably not too spoilery. Maybe the the, the movie. But either way, if you oh, hate spoilers and you're like, man, I really hope that these guys don't uh, spoil St. <laughs> Maud, then you might want to uh, not uh, listen to that part. We'll warn you. So, 
That's your spoiler warning. Oh, thank you, Greg. I finally have some news about the upcoming Event Horizon 4K span. Mm. Scan. Span. I like it is going to span 4K. Shout Factory has released their list of special features after delaying the film in an effort to find the lost footage. Did they find the lost footage? They did not. Son of a bitch. They did their very best. But the new film will feature interview with director Paul W.S. Anderson, a whole bunch of interviews with the stars, and a making of five-part documentary, a four-part look at the filming of Event Horizon as well, and a couple of unseen, unfilmed uh, pre-production Unfortunately, though, we will not see that lost footage. It is very unlikely that we ever will. Shout Factory delayed the release of the Blu-ray following a couple of leads regarding that lost footage. But unfortunately, it may truly be lost forever. Ah, that sucks. It does. And and that's a shame because, in my opinion, Event Horizon is really one of those highly underrated science fiction movies. Agreed. I don't think it gets near the the coverage or the the respect that it deserves for what it was. I mean, it was just so good. There's a, a large group of people who shit on the movie just to shit on the movie. It's like the same reason people shit on hair metal. Or shit on Nickelback. Because it's like a... It's cool. Like, it's hip to hate it. But I think it's an excellent film. I had hoped that we would see that footage. Uh, Director Paul W.S. Anderson says that he uh, would actually have to do some reshoots to uh, reconstruct that footage. I don't know that that's going to happen. I don't know that it will match. But I am not going to cancel my pre-order, which you, I believe, still can do. Over at Shout Factory, I am still very much looking forward to receiving it. When is it due out? That is due out March twenty third. Will it will it be available in like wide release? Like, could I go to a store and pick it up? Do I need to pre order it, or will it be commercially available? They, hmm, that's a really good question. It was sold out at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, this before they delayed the release. Uh, but as of right now, it is still available for pre-order. I couldn't tell you if you'll be able to find it at Best Buy or not. I would err on the side of caution and uh, and probably pre-order it. Uh, because, uh, let's see, does it still come with the poster? It looks like... No, it looks like the uh, the poster is no longer an option. Oh, so the only thing I'm doing to pre-order it is just have it mailed to me. Right. The limited edition poster has sold out as of February 11th. Sorry, folks. Oh, well. Now they are shipping it through a wormhole through hell. So so it's entirely possible that when you get it, it'll be covered in like an ectoplasm. 
and then it will possess you and murder your entire family. Oh, that sounds interesting. Awesome. That sounds like that could be a movie. <laughs> yeah. There, there you go. Event Horizon Part 2. Yep. So, what do you guys have? I do actually have some news here. I didn't think I was going to. And then I remembered that I had some news. Uh, back when we first started the podcast, we were in the somewhere in the 50s, maybe in the 40s or something, episode-wise. We interviewed Joe. Yeah. We interviewed Joe Catapano at Megacon, and he was talking about a comic. He's an art comic artist, and he was talking about a comic that was that he was working on and that was going to that he wanted to have it finished before he started getting funding for it. Uh, well, the funding actually uh, just he just released it to Indiegogo today or technically this morning, I guess. And it's called Star Circuit. It's uh, very much in the lines of. Uh, Trying to think of a good way to put it. It's like, uh, well, the first turbocharged chapter in a new cyberpunk series. So it's a cyberpunk thing. Uh, looks very much like it's got some some uh, motorcycles like Akira. Uh, it's got really great art, like incredible art. And it is on Indiegogo. Uh, he's a, He is a friend of ours. So I did want to mention it. Uh, he uh, had it funded, I think, within the first 30 minutes. Uh, he's looking for $3,000. Uh, he got, he's up to 5,500, including $15 of my own. Uh, if you like futuristic comic books, if you like, like cyberpunk, if you like, uh, good art and there's a bunch of really cool things. I'm not going to read off all of them. There's digital versions and regular versions and stuff. Um, but check it out. It's on Indiegogo.com. Uh, the project is called star circuit. And, uh, for a little while today, it was the number one, uh, most funded, thing so oh looking forward to getting that very cool yep and looking forward to getting him on the show again he did he did say once he goes uh on indiegogo that he will uh will come back on remind him yep so any other news before we talk a little about wandavision i still do not have a ps5 someone in the chat room the patron only chat room thinks I have one because they said that once my wife murders me, I have to give them my PS five, but I don't own a PS five. It won't be there because I will kill you. for it. So there's not a PS five. Um, let's do our little WandaVision moment. Can we do that? Before let's have one before we jump into Florida. Do that before we, before we head, head south. Yes. So episode, I believe, six was the last one, and we've been kind of doing little quick reviews and kind of feeling our way through this show without over-reviewing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found, I, what did you think of episode six, guys? This was the one that was uh, brought us into the 90s, or maybe early 2000s. It was very Malcolm in the Middle. It was 90s. Um, it was. And it was. I hated the intro because I hated Malcolm in the Middle. Oh man, I love Malcolm in the Middle. I wish I could uh, find Malcolm in the Middle. Other than that, I thought it was great. I, it just continues to build and build and build, and we had a, a huge moment. I think finally in this episode, uh, spoiler: sound the alarms. If you haven't seen it yet, God, just pause this and skip ahead. About this was seconds. this was the Halloween episode, right? Yep. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, I watch them on different on not the release day, so I'm never sure if it's the one that we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, uh, got it. Uh, Vision leaves the hex. Mm. Moment. Oh, you called it the hex. Yep. Yep. I love. I love her, and she's supposed to be like the annoying character, and usually I hate those characters, but I love her. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah. Um. But um. Yeah. It. Man. It it just continues to 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 get even better, but also just spawn more questions every every week. Um, that is such a bright dark show. It looks and, so bright, and it's dark as hell. It's like uh, summer's whatever summer's eve or whatever the hell that movie. Is. This show is Mid- the perfect Midsummer. Example. This show is the perfect example of why Marvel is 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 king. And why I mean, light years ahead. Can't put up anything to compete with them nah. as far as writing and construction and all of. I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. It's uh, just a uh, God. Where do they find the people that write this? You know, there's a lot like, of this material has already been written, and and we're looking yeah. back, going, man, those those authors, those writers of the comics were so far ahead of their time. And now we're living in an age where we can actually see those things where it, it's able to be done through, you know, visual effects, but also that's just amazing, incredible writing. And, uh, you know, if, if you are one of those people who are like, where the hell is Marvel going to go after the, um, infinity war infinity and, and, and saga? Well, it, it's going, I, I think, going just fine. Yeah, I don't think they have any problems. No. Are we are we taking bets on who we think the the big reveal is going to be at the end of the season? Well, real quick, um, the this is just for the people out there who are like, man, I want to know more. Uh, this most of the series comes from um, a Vision comic series that came out in 2015 and 2016, uh, written by Tom King, who I've talked about on the show recently or about mm-hmm. a year ago. Uh, awesome writer, former uh, CIA agent, actually. <laughs> oh, um, well, and he was he was a CIA agent stationed in Baghdad, and that's where he started writing. So he is not a dumb person, and he knows what he he knows what the hell he's talking about when he talks about things like this. Um, that's one thing. Uh, yes, let's let's do those bets here real quick. What what do we think? Um. I think it's going to be uh, a larger inclusion of the X-Men. Okay. So you think maybe like Magneto? Perhaps. Yeah. I mean, uh, Mag- Magneto would tie in because Magneto is technically her father. Yeah. And given given the clue that we got, I, the clue that we got from Bettany, Paul Bettany, who plays Vision, was that it was an award-winning um, thespian who he had never had the opportunity to work with before. Thespian keyword there, because mm-hmm. I'm sure uh, Sir Ian McKellen, if you ask, ask, ask him what his career is, he would say, he would say he's a thespian. thespian. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, I think that Benedict Cumberbatch or Benadryl, Benadryl Bandersnatch would fall into that category <laughs> as well. Or both. Or both. Or both. I mean, who's going to stop her? Because he did say that he's never worked with her with with this with this person before, 
Rob just said and, her, so Rob knows something that we don't know. <gasps> and he he said he's never worked with this person before, and oddly enough, they've been in the same movies, but they've never been in the same scene before. The Dame Judy Dench. That's what Rob Ooh, thinks. Maybe. As yeah. herself, actually. And she'll be like, what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> And do we are are we thinking that um, that the lady is no longer Agatha Harkness after the way that she reacted on this last episode that she was completely under the control? Uh, maybe that was crazy. Like that, there's something really freaky about these people, like frozen in in time and space, with like the single mm-hmm. tear rolling down their cheek, and they've hinted at it. And it's definitely one of those things that you have to kind of. I'm going to go back at the end of the series and watch it all the way through again because that like genuine that's genuinely creepy. Like, yeah, the one lady who was who was stuck in the repetitive motion. Yep, and yeah. couldn't do anything, and she just had a single tear roll down her cheek. I was like, "Oh God!" Yeah, how her her kind of area of influence kind of tapers off towards the the, the edges the edges of the hex. Yeah, you just have this sad like it felt like uh, you know Beetlejuice land. Yeah. Um, very perfectly manicured and everything, but it, it just when you, when you really think about what these people are going through and how they're being held against their will and how they just don't want to be there, it makes it just like Jesus, Scarlet Witch may be the the most powerful fucking Avenger, but she's also the like most evil twisted. one. Yeah, most mm-hmm. twisted. Like it's oh yeah, she's broken. It's uncomfortable. Now, and I don't know that she knows the extent. I mean, there's there's something there that I'm not sure that she knows the extent to which she's affecting these people. Um, and I think she's kind of in denial about she, what is actually happening inside the hex. A hundred percent denial. So I, I don't know that it's all that it's all malicious intent, but I do think there's some of that. I don't want to let go going on. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think possibly that she's being pushed by Mephisto and that you're going to use, they're going to reveal him as Mm. the big bad because there is some history there in comics, of course. So I'm I'm still convinced the reveal is going to be, is going to be Benadryl splish and splash. Did, did you guys not did this? I haven't seen anything about it, but I swear the, her one child, that wasn't dressed like Silver Surfer was dressed like Gambit. No, he was no, he wasn't. He was dressed like uh, Wiccan. It's okay. the it's it's who he actually is. Yeah, in the in the comics, the Young Avengers, there's a character named Wiccan who is there. The two of the kids are theirs, and it's Wiccan, and the other one is named Speed, and they're the kids. And so creative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Super Wiccan cool. is kind of a play on Thor, but not with the same powers, just the co- same costume. Okay. Um, so the other thing I noticed that I thought was kind of cool, I never, I, I like the commercials in the show, like that first commercial, fake commercial break mm-hmm. where they have like the, the parody commercials, but I always mm-hmm. thought they were just like little winks to the audience. Uh, someone, uh, you might've figured this out. I did not, but um, someone at uh, screen rant figured it out that they're the infinity stones. The commercials are technically for different infinity stones. So the first one was a toaster commercial. Mm-hmm. And if you looked at the side of the toaster, it looks like it has a face. And that one is um, supposed to be the uh, Mind Stone because it's there. If you look at the the logo for Stark Toasters, it's 
where the the mind stone would have been which is what um was on vision that pat when he passed away so that's that one the next one was the hydro soak commercial which had a blue box which was of course the tesseract or the space stone the next one was the reality stone which was the fake uh like bounty paper towel commercial and it had a red liquid being mopped up which of course was like the ether is that what it's called from dark world yeah Um, yeah from thor dark uh whatever dark world Um, so and then the watch was the time stone then yep yep yeah the strucker watch was the time stone for obvious reasons and then the really fucked up one with the kid trying to open up the yogurt was um a reference to uh the the stone that uh no the stone that the the red skull couldn't grab where he was like constantly hungering for it but he couldn't do it but he couldn't get it because if you notice the kid turned into a skeleton at the end um i forget which stone that is was that the soul stone that was the soul stone so that's kind of where we're at now so all of them are are kind of paring down and if you looked at the the colors too of the various commercials other than the black and white one of course um it does line up so it's kind of an interesting uh little theory there which i thought was interesting and it made me I don't know if it's going to mean anything. I doubt very highly they're bringing back the Infinity Stones, but it's kind of a cool little uh, take on that. God, it's so effing creative, though. Yeah. Just the attention to detail in this, in the MCU, is insane. Yep. They do very little that is just kind of a a, a once-away throwaway. You know what I mean? A once-off throwaway. Yeah, where like, you'll see something and you'll be like, okay, that's neat. And then you know it's coming back later. Yeah. So, that is... That the we kind of ended the show with the um the hex getting bigger to reabsorb vision because it was the only thing keeping him alive. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, maybe we need to put a hex around this weird ass state. Hey, mm-hmm. we should do that because Stephen Gutierrez was not able to put a hex around this state. He was not able to put a hex around his crotch. Oh, no. Because this lawyer was pulled over. Officers noticed a bulge in his pants. As the officers inspected the substance, the white powder found inside, Stephen Gutierrez blurted out, that's cocaine, according to the arrest report. Now, what's actually curious about this. Well, not curious, but what makes this really a Florida story is that this is the same lawyer from South Florida whose pants caught on fire during a 2017 arson trial. (laughs) When the lawyer was trying to illustrate um, how his client was the victim of spontaneous combustion. His his client was, was not, it wasn't spontaneous human combustion, but he was blaming the arson on spontaneous combustion. The battery in his electronic cigarette ignited during the defense uh, of his client. So... Things are uh, really just not going in this guy's favor. So. He ha- he was disbarred. 
already, uh, or at least suspended. But after catching on fire during a trial, he's now caught with cocaine. So, with Stephen Gutierrez. So he decided to use an electronic cigarette to stop. I'm doing air bunnies, as Rob would say, to stop <laughs> smoking, and then decided instead. Well, now that I'm not smoking anymore, cocaine. That's, that's my way, the to, way go. to go. Yeah. I wouldn't want to to harm my health by do, by smoking. Oh, meth! Like, like. Can you imagine uh, being in that courtroom when he's trying to argue that spontaneous combustion was the reason that his client was innocent, and he just catches on fire? Jesus. Yeah, he should probably. I, I thought you were. Direction. I thought you were going to go the rate the route of saying something along the lines like that he was trying to show that pants wouldn't catch on fire, and then he caught his pants on fire. Mm-mm. Like those people that are like, "Yeah, this car window is unbreakable," and then he hit it with like a hammer gently, and it explodes. Yep, he may be a liar, liar, pants on fire. Ooh, <laughs> there we have it. But he is. And and you know you know the, the other side won that argument when all they had to do was walk up and go, Liar, liar, pants on fire. Pants on fire. And the jury was like, Oh, yeah, yeah. Good, good point. Yeah, good mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, Mr. Gutierrez. And uh good luck. Nice. So I think just order wise here that first of all, let's talk about some patrons. Mm. Yeah. We have a Patreon. We do. We do. As a result of having a Patreon, we have a podcast because that's who supports it and that allows us to do what Thanks. we do. Yeah. Allows us to host our podcast and host Rob's wonderful book nook on the website. It allows us to bail, oh, Rob, bail Rob out of prison. It's the sole reason why the website's still going. Yeah. So... We have really good supporters. Bail me out of prison? <laughs> yes, we bail Rob out of prison every so often. We got that one lawyer, but his <laughs> pants caught on fire. So that case he may go be well. cheaper now. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, it's true. So anyway, we have uh, our our patron or patreons or Patreon. It is five dollars. You get invited to our Discord chat. You get a bunch of stuff. You support the show. You get early access to our top five list, where you can actually, uh, you know give us your own top five things fun top five this this week actually so possibly even jiggle greg's balls maybe <laughs> um, that's not... ten dollars a month yeah that's ten dollars a month thank you uh don't do that uh keep doing it please for, for your birthday <laughs> you get a custom top five list made about you top five reasons you get to jiggle my balls uh and uh yeah and there are higher rangers, of course, where you get to like uh, curate your own episode. You get invited into the notes. You get to uh, join us from time to time. All of that fun stuff. It is at patreon.com slash gibby5podcast. Thank you to all the patrons. They just got one of their uh, patron episodes yes. this week. We talked about some fun stuff. It was a lot of fun. We answered patron questions. Rob made us feel all misty about our favorite music. I, I talked about fan theories that made me angry, but turned out that I liked some of them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that was that. So anyway, I want to hear about St. Maud because I don't remember anything about it. I know nothing about it. Did you Did you watch it, Greg? 
No. Oh. I just I you mentioned that it was coming out and I don't remember anything. I don't remember seeing anything about it at all. Okay. Well, I saw a trailer for this when I went to see Psycho Gorman. Hmm. So, uh it is from the production company A24. They're good. They're great. Uh, the film coming out this year called The Green Knight. They've also produced uh, Hereditary and The Lighthouse. So, really, really strong production company there. If if I see A24's name on it and those, those opening credits, I'm like, alright, down. This should be good. So, St. Maud, no exception. Uh, the film came out on uh, January 29th, very recent, is directed by Rose Glass, who I just absolutely cannot wait to see more uh, films by her. She has previously directed some shorts. This is her first feature-length film. It stars Morphid Clark and Jennifer L. Maud is a reclusive young nurse whose impressionable demeanor causes her to pursue a pious path of Christian devotion after an obscure trauma. Now charged with the hospice care of Amanda, a retired dancer ravaged by cancer. Sounds just like a total family hit, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maud's... Oh, Morphin Clark, sorry. I just realized who she was. Ah. She was she was in that Dracula reimagining that was on last year. I like her. She's good. Sorry. Continue. Maud's fervent faith quickly inspires an obsessive conviction that she must save her Lord's soul from eternal damnation, whatever the cost. Movie's dark. It has a sickly feel to it, and it's ominous. Just very, very ominous. It's very tense. Uh, feeling in your stomach the whole time. Uh, it's a bit uncomfortable. It's very well acted. Very creepy. It's one of those... Um, the sound design plays just as much a part as the scares do, which it's not... It's not a jump scare movie. Uh, uh, it's uh, very suspenseful and intense. It's, I don't want to say what type of film it is, because you can categorize, categorize it as a certain type of film. Basically, uh, Maud, as it says in the description, is trying to get this dancer, this woman dying of cancer, to ask for forgiveness and to accept the Lord as her savior. So she will pass into the eternal light of heaven. Uh, Amanda is used to living this party lifestyle, drugs, alcohol, sex, and she just doesn't quite want to give it up. She's got very time, little time left. Uh, and she's uh, she's just not ready to let it go. Maud tries to impress that on her, and uh, after a revelation, uh, she takes more extreme measures to Ooh. help save the soul of Amanda. 
very good. You can check it out on Epics, which I didn't even know existed. It's an Epics exclusive. Hmm. Now, Epics, uh, you can get a trial for. As with all of those trials, just make sure you cancel it after you watch the movie. Um, enjoy. Let me know what you think. And for a more in-depth conversation, you can head over to our friends at Trick or Treat Radio, episode number 447. They talk about St. Maud. Ooh, and they know their stuff. Those ones. Yes. Agree. 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 Excellent. Let's talk about books now, I think. Talk about them books. Before we get into before books. we get in, I, I want to give Jimmy a time to a little bit of time to rest his voice before he angrily screams about YouTubers for an hour and a half. Not all YouTubers. Not all of them. No, all of them. A specific category. So Go we're going to talk about a couple books here. Do it. Rob, you're Rob, for, you're do that first. thing you were doing that made Greg uncomfortable earlier. Everybody's pretending to dangle my to touch my balls. Yeah, but his hands are like way far apart. Like if my balls were that far apart, I would need surgery. <clears throat> well, I'll talk about a, my books. It's first. like you've never seen them before. Oh no, I have. <laughs> I'm very familiar with your ball spread. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable right now. <laughs> so I read a book. Comfortable. That's at first. I, I read a book, or well, I didn't read a book. I listened to a book called The Age of Iron. It was actually released in September of 2014, written by Angus Watson. And the synopsis is, legends aren't born, they're made. Doug Seal Skinner is a down-on-his-luck mercenary traveling south to join up with King Zadar's army, but he keeps rescuing the wrong people. First, Spring, a child he finds scavenging on the battlefield, and then Loa, one of Zadar's most fearsome warriors, who has vowed revenge on the king for her sister's execution. Now Doug's on the wrong side of the thousands-strong army he had hoped to join. And worse, Zadar has bloodthirsty druid magic on his side. All Doug has is his warhammer, one small child, and one unpredictable, highly trained warrior with a lust for revenge that might get them all killed. Hilarity so, will ensue. Oh, absolutely. Like it can be funny. Yeah. Absolutely. And one of the things, one of the things that kind of drew me in about this book, but like I said in my in my post on the site, is that this wasn't the type of story that I would normally read. Um, but it was one of those that I got for the for the two for one deal on Audible, which mm -hmm. I love. I if I've got credits, I usually will try and find something because I get exposed to like two new books for the price of one, basically. Yeah. Um and the thing that caught my attention about this book was that this is a fictional accounting of actual historical events, which kind of intrigued me a little bit. And what it, what it is, is this book is set in the time period that we don't have a whole lot of information on because it's right around the Roman invasion of Britain. And part of, part of this is, is that the Romans invaded and I, you know what? I'll just refer to. I, I found a review that that summed it up it, exactly. One of the reasons why I was so interested in this. This is this is a review that I found on the site from a poster by the name of Trip Williams, and it says, 
I love history, among many other things, especially this time period in history. When you get into real history deeply enough, you come across a lot of times where you read an account of something and think, what? That's all? No, 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 no. Something else obviously happened here. How could you spend years getting someplace, then doing something huge, then spend years going back home, gathering up a bigger army, going back again, and then stick a note in your diary that basically says, nothing really happened here, so suddenly I just decided to leave. (laughs) Because that's kind of what happened with the Roman invasion of Britain. Yep. They spent so much time and effort invading Britain only to just pack up and go home with nothing else written anywhere. (laughs) It's like, what, what, what happened? (laughs) Yep. No, I, yeah, there's, that's, that's really interesting uh, that that somebody would take on that, that almost kind of lost period. I, when I went to the UK and I went to Tower of London, Mm -hmm. you're, you're walking up and, and my wife is like, Hey, whoa, check this out. And I'm like, what, what's that? And it's this thing behind glass covered up. Oh, those are Roman ruins. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know much at all about that period in history, and that's fascinating. Because there's not a lot. Yeah. And, and in fact, Caesar, who supposedly conquered Britain, didn't really write anything down about it. He was like, yeah, we came, we saw, we conquered, we went home. And it's like, that's not usually how that works <laughs> there's there's usually a little bit more involved and so this 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 series is that it's actually like a i believe it's a trilogy is a fictional accounting of what happened and why rome packed up and went home mm-hmm. so i i read the first book thinking oh well you know maybe i'll give it a shot and i got into it and i'm like damn, this is a really good book. I'm enjoying this. And when I get some credits, I will definitely spend my next few credits on finishing up this series. I've really enjoyed this first book. Doug is a very compelling character. I really like the, the, the characters in this story are written so well. And you really want to learn more about them and you want to find out what's going on and what's happening. And you want to know where the story is going to head. And that's, that's what I'm looking at right now. I now, just want to know what happens next. A talking Labrador. He is not a talking Labrador. Well, I'm out. Squirrel? I yeah, was hoping he is, that he'd be a talking Labrador. That would make him really fascinating. He is not. He is He is a middle-aged warrior, which is actually kind of impressive considering the times. Yeah. Middle age was something that didn't really happen. It was usually end age. Yeah. Yeah. That was usually elderly. Yeah. But... I'm I am enjoying I enjoyed the crap out of the first book and I will definitely go back and pick up the next two as soon as I get an opportunity to. I'm all fascinated with history now. I want to track that down. So that was Age of Iron by Mm -hmm. Angus Watson. Correct. Uh, So it was Angus a French bulldog. Angus was not is not a French bulldog. Okay. Your Angus is a French bulldog, but this writer, however, That's is true. not a French bulldog. That's true. Well, I want to talk about the book Decibel Diaries, which I've been reading slowly over uh, about a year, but not because it's a long book, but it's everything is just little short stories. And I've been kind of reading one or two every so often just because of just because of the way it's written. And it doesn't mean it's bad. It's just I'm oh, kind of... Just- you can pick it up. You can put it down. 
Yeah, because each each little story, mm-hmm. you know, three or four pages mm-hmm. long, it's about a concert. Right. Yeah, Thanks for showing time. everybody there at home, Greg. Yeah, I, I'm showing you. <laughs> I'm showing you. <laughs> oh, for example, that was about the uh, the cars. I'm trying to find my notes. They got moved Steve out of the way. There we go. So this uh, actually came out uh, September 5th of 2014, written by uh, Carter Allen. And Carter Allen is a uh, – he works for a radio station in Boston. Uh, he's the DJ and music director of WZLX in Boston. So WZLX. Yeah, and that's from the wow. 70s, 80s, 90s. And there was a lot of big bands that came through. They're obviously a major city. It was a yeah, very yeah. rock and roll city. So mm-hmm. they, of course, had the Aerosmith connections and there's a band called boston there's a band called boston yeah that actually started at mit there so you know he he had a lot of connections and he got to see a lot of stuff um the book itself is uh it's real i really enjoyed it i'm one of those people that likes hearing about concerts i like even if i wasn't there if someone tells me about a concert they went to i am intrigued and i want to know what they played and what was the sh- the set like and who opened and all that stuff. So seeing that in book form and seeing some concerts that might not be super famous, you know, they talk about live aid, they talk about stuff like that. Um, I find to be fairly interesting. Um, some of the things he does talk about, some of the bands and musicians, he talks about, uh, let's see, uh, David Bowie, the Ramones, early Bowie. So I think it was uh, like Spiders from Mars era Bowie, uh, Tom Petty, when he's first starting, uh, interesting because black sabbath and ozzy had split at the time that he talks about them so it's one chapter but he sees black sabbath and it's a full house and a big stadium he sees ozzy barely filling a smaller place because this was before the resurgence of ozzy in the 80s so pre-crazy train ozzy uh you know aerosmith motley Crue, stevie ray vaughn as he's just up and coming Later in the book, he talks about Pearl Jam and, and stuff like that, which is, of course, what brought me into the book, uh, Guns N' Roses. The Aussie, I thought the Black Sabbath Aussie story was great. Uh, the Guns N' Roses part where it's right, you know, virtually the point that he sees Guns N' Roses, he's like, oh, this is going to be another crappy hair metal band because I hate hair metal. This guy says, doesn't really like it. He's more of a purist, like 70s rocker type. And didn't really, wasn't really into... Because remember, he was going to these shows backstage because he worked for a radio station. And, you know, these punk hair metal dudes were, like, getting drunk and skipping interviews and doing whatever. And then he sees Guns N' Roses and he's like, oh, this is not hair metal. These guys know what they're doing. Like, these guys know how to play their instruments. They, yeah, they're, they're good. And basically, it was right at the point where they were going to blow up. Also introduced me to the Orlando Sports Stadium. Have you, well, I don't think Rob would have heard it. Jimmy, have you heard of the Orlando Sports Stadium? Uh, is that the Citrus Bowl? It is not. No. Oh. The, so you when you talk at concerts to, especially like those big radio festivals, and you find like some crusty old like biker concert goer dude, you're like, ah, oh, I saw so Led Zeppelin back at the Eddie Graham Sports Stadium. And you never really think about, well, where the hell was that? Because I don't see any derelict stadiums laying around in Orlando. So I, I did some research on the Eddie Graham sports stadium. Cause the guy talks about how he went in and it was like a muddy field. And he, this was in the seventies. I found mm-hmm. a sign for the Eddie Graham sports stadium and it's the sign actually. So the sign itself 
is it's got like the little thing where you put the fake letters on it or like the little letters on it. But the other mm-hmm. part that's permanently printed, so the big plastic thing with the lighting behind it says Eddie Graham Sports Stadium, wrestling every, su- every Sunday, three main events, also girls match, a midget match. <laughs> permanently affixed on the sign. Oh, wow. Now, the Orlando Sports Stadium is actually in a location that's very, very close to where we live. Actually, where we work and where I, my house used to be. Uh, it is um, where Econ River Estates is now. What? So, so it's that's all of the, Yep, all of that. It's So there is a land that's now a park with a little river and a big, nice bike trail. And at yeah, one point, it has a little bit of a turn and there's a, a area with houses called the econ river estates. It's called the econ river, of course. And it used to be a sports stadium, barely uh, huh. play, people that pay, that played there. Led Zeppelin played there in 1971. Uh, the rolling thunder of you concert with headed by Bob Dylan. Elvis Presley played one of his very last concerts there in 1977, uh, six months before he died. Beach boys, Edgar winter, deep purple, uh, since it, of course, had a wrestling thing, Don the Dragon Wilson was from Cocoa Beach, and he started his fighting there. And George Wallace used to do uh, his campaigning for president there. Hmm. Um, there's, it's crazy the history behind this place that like is now a bunch of houses that I used to ride my bike around, and I didn't even realize there was a concert venue there. So, kind of interesting little book. Um, if you like concerts, if you like music history, that's not that's a little off the beaten track, uh, beaten path as well as, you know, people looking too much into what concert going and music means to them personally. Uh, this is a book that you should check out. Decibel Diaries by Carter Allen. Boom. It's really cool. Thanks for showing everybody again. Yep. Anytime. <laughs> oh, wow. This is really interesting. I, uh, I never even knew that was a thing. Yep. So let's uh, so, let's get Jimmy a little angry. bit more history. Yeah, I tell me about this documentary. I hmm. love uh, uh, when I cannot sleep. A lot of times, I will go onto the creepy side of Reddit, and I remember many years ago, I was actually at a hotel, not in Los Angeles, and I saw this story, and it showed had this little video of this girl freaking out in an elevator and her name of course was Eliza lamb. And then it occurred to me cause I didn't see this video when I heard the original story, but I was like, Oh, this is linked to that body they found in those water tanks on top of that one hotel. Mm-hmm. Cause I had heard about that part of it, but none of the other stuff around it. <laughs> and recently on Netflix, uh, I guess it's the sub genre. The sub show is crime scene, which I'm not sure if there's any other ones. Uh, vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Yeah, I don't think so yet. And I believe <laughs> Jimmy uh, added the dangers of misinformation in the age of YouTube. Uh, yeah. This came out on Netflix on February 11th, 2021. And it's, well, it's a documentary. So it stars a bunch of people that were part of the story and a bunch of people that wanted to be part of the story, a.k.a. a bunch of YouTubers who can straight up eat Jimmy's ass. Yeah, uh, his words, not mine. Well, it's a it's a bunch of um, self important people that call themselves web sleuths. And you're right; they're they're self 
important. They're these, you know, just these these people who had maybe good intentions at some point to to they help. want to make themselves famous. That's exact. That's all it is. Yeah, that's all. Um, and and whether that was was through pure intentions, uh, or mental illness. I mean, some of these people are downright creepy. Um, yeah. You you don't have to take a psychiatric evaluation to be on YouTube. Um, I'm not saying you should have to. No, that's not too bad. But you know, there there is a guy who who had someone he became so immersed in this case with Elisa Lamb um, that he had someone go touch her grave. Um, now for closure. For closure, that, right. that was just that was not for closure. That was for views. That was a yeah, publicity. That's exactly, story. Right. that's exactly what it was. He and as closure, but and and with what with what you're talking about, Jimmy. To me, this is just a a extreme version of today's media. Is that it's it's all about the clicks. It's all about getting people to view your information, and that's pretty much it. It doesn't matter whether or not the information is correct right. anymore. And the the information spread by uh, those YouTubers um, was largely inaccurate and proven to be inaccurate. Um, if you've seen the video, like Greg said, Elisa Lamb, she she's a student from Canada. She decides to go out and find herself and, and have a real adventure. Uh, what she didn't realize is that the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles, California, um, its its rates are super low, much lower than you'll find of any hotel in Los Angeles. It's in the middle of Skid Row, not um, the band from 1989. Right. <laughs> but you will stay. You're going to stay right between Sebastian Bach and uh, Rachel Bolin. Ooh, <laughs> there are are so many theories uh, as to her behavior that was captured. On the hotel surveillance system, she's kind of popping in and out of the elevator and she's looking around. And the way they present this um, is uh, pretty pretty irresponsible, as Mark Serrells of CNET says. It's bad and not just bad. Crime scene, the vanishing at the Cecil Hotel is a bloated, dull, and confusing it's irresponsible and dishonest, indulging conspiracy theories that put already vulnerable victims at further risk. Um, so there, there's a couple things. So let's mm -hmm. the the facts of the story are: she stays at the hotel. They see her freaking out in the elevator. Well, she disappears. They find video of her freaking out in the elevator. They find Anything her. Strange. Yeah, they. And then they find her body 19 days later in a water tank on top. <laughs> but at some point along the lines, someone, a police chief, so it was the police, said that the tank was found closed. And this would have been impossible for her to close the tank if she was inside of it. So everyone, of course, assumed that she had, had like been killed and thrown in there or was thrown in there to die. Right. Turned out that was incorrect. But the first part, they show this police chief who, 
for the most part, if you hear a police chief sitting at a desk say something at the beginning of a documentary, you're going to take that as fact throughout the whole documentary. And then at the end, they're like, oh, yeah, the maintenance guy, when he found the body as a sign of respect because she was naked, closed the tank lid, but he found the lid open. Oh, well. And mm-hmm. at which at which point, the two middle episodes where they were kind of keeping that from you didn't really because I didn't know that part. Oh, I, I, I didn't. That's so I was like, oh, wow, it was closed. OK, I always thought that she just had an episode wasn't taking her medicines, which she was not. And she was not. And she had been known to run and hide under things when she gets scared and thinking people were talking to her and stalking her. And I was under the impression that it was just an accident, a sad accident. And it was. But they really want you to keep going through all four episodes and they treat it like Mm -hmm. it's something more sinister. Like there's this big conspiracy. Right. And and they pad that story with conspiracy theorists or AAA crime YouTuber people. And yeah, only, and there's a lot of them, only one of which I didn't want to throttle. Like the Mm -hmm. the one that was just like a regular medium sized white guy. I liked, he was okay. Cause he was the one at the end was like, yeah, we went a little nuts here, (laughs) but everyone else I hated. I mean, sure, I get it. He's, you know, there were so many of them out there, and I'm sure so many of them were contacted about coming on and and talking about this. Uh, There were only a a couple who had the uh, fortitude to to come on and actually talk about it. Um, The the very, very unfortunate kind of, it's not even really a coincidence. It's just connections that people made. There's a uh, musician from Mexico who his online presence, uh, he goes by the name Morbid. We all have handles. He is a, he just happens to be a a death metal musician. He posted a video of him staying at the Cecil Hotel at some point. Uh, Like a lot of other death metal musicians, his music involves death, darkness, things of that nature. So these people connected him to the Cecil Hotel. So they connected him to the disappearance and death of Elisa Lamb, um, which turned out to be very, very unfair, creating a mob-like mentality uh, going after this young man, uh, badgering him incessantly, sicking their followers on him, uh, it turns out that the video of he, that he shot of himself at the hotel was a year before her death. Yeah, because facts don't matter. Yeah. In in today's he, in today's he, age of social persecution, facts do not matter. He was not even in the country at the time this happened. Uh, he unfortunately got to a point where it was just too much for him to take. He attempted suicide. Uh, fortunately, he is alive, but he is very very much damaged. As a result of this, as he says at the towards the end of the documentary, those YouTubers, uh, right or wrong, uh, they get to go to sleep and wake up, go on with their lives. No one ever apologized to him. 
Uh, no one ever issued an apology of, of any sort, any of these YouTubers. And he, uh, he can't make music anymore. Um, very, very much a broken individual after this. And, and the documentary gets so far away from Elisa Lamb's story and just how really fucking sad it was for a, a person uh, diagnosed as bipolar one um, who was, who had a history of not treating her illness with the, the medication she was prescribed correctly. There were a lot of other things that came to light in this documentary. Um, and uh, I, I just think it was grossly mishandled and uh, for the views basically, mm-hmm. especially the, the way it, it plays out and, uh, I just, I, I think it's, while, while well done, everybody else be damned. Yeah. While, while it was well done, I even think the, the director and the producers of this are, are also perpetuators of the doing it for the views kind of mentality. I was I intrigued. I was intrigued about this because I have, because of knowing the story. Um, but then yeah. again, and and seeing things that I have read about, and now then seeing them and not person, but seeing them. So for me, I was when they were showing the hotel, I was like, okay, that's what I was there for. But technically, I could have done just a walkthrough with no voices and no information. Be like, oh, okay, that's the elevator from the outside. That's this. That's whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, it did not need to be four episodes long. Probably could have maybe stripped all the YouTubers into one episode, like a after story kind of thing. Like it should be two episodes long and one extra episode. I yeah, was very intrigued because there are sometimes they will have any sort of documentary and people will latch on to somebody. It's usually a woman that they want, that they hate. And I was very intrigued to see if, the the blonde woman that was managing the hotel was going to get vitriol because she was doing nothing wrong, but I could see how people would be like, oh, all this happened, and she said she loved the hotel. She said the hotel has good bones. What does she mean by that? Mm-hmm. Like, I was very, like, I was hoping that she wasn't going to take the brunt of it because all she was doing was talking about her job. It was the first hotel she managed. She did not mismanage it. It was just in a very bad place. And she couldn't do anything to make it better because there was laws out there, still laws out there that there needs to be, if there was people living in a, in low income housing in your building, you can't kick them out. Right. So long. So there, so they had to build a hotel around drug addicts around and not everyone in low income is a drug addict, but they couldn't do anything about it. So the hotel had some floors that were, for people coming to visit some floors for people that lived there for years and were doing whatever out of their place. So I was, I was very, uh, the one thing I found interesting, I think the, the story itself is a tragedy, but the, the homelessness and the drug addiction is the other tragedy that it's kind of, it's a different type of morbid tragedy. Mm -hmm. Um, When you, when you watch that and you just like, you sit here, I was sitting there watching and I was like, there's literally nothing I can do about that. And you kind of want to, but like, I can't just go out there and start handing out money to people like get a place to stay for the night. Like 
there's nothing it's it takes Pierce's any, great hotel right down the street yeah right <laughs> like you look at that and you're like you know people walking in amongst needles and living in tents on the street and stuff like that and it's like there how do we fix that it's supposed to be the richest country in the world and like it's it's so it's when you see that you're like oh wow like that's that's the 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 part of really any city because that was in miami yeah. um i've you know I've act- i made a wrong turn when i was working down in miami and there was i was in an eclipse i wasn't in a super expensive car but people like chased my car down the street throwing those like three gallon buckets at the car to like try to you know do whatever to me and it was just like yeah what do you do but uh yeah that's that's what just that's a, a you know a, one of the reasons why it just kind of brought on such intense feelings for me whenever one of these dipshits would come on and be like oh so this is so much like this movie that came out oh god and it's like the, she's even wearing red the owners of the hotel saw this movie and then they wanted to to enact their it's a cover up. And I'm just like, you know what? Get the fuck out of here. Tell me about this woman. Tell me about the situation in that city. Don't give credence to this bullshit. The the yeah. uh the big one is the influenza outbreak. Get even don't even. Uh, it's it, where the test for influenza is called the lamb Eliza test. And now people were assuming, and I had mentioned this offhanded before we recorded like three recordings ago or something mm-hmm. or two recordings ago. <laughs> it was like called a, a lamb Eliza test. And it's like, Oh, see, it's a, it was a government test. And e- they even flipped the name Eliza lamb to lamb Eliza. And it's like, if the government was part of a massive conspiracy, would they just flip the name? You dumb fuck. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the Eliza, the Lamb Eliza test. Well, I don't know the history of it. I'm pretty sure the influenza test has been along a lot longer than ten years. Just saying. Yeah. If if you are going to watch it, just arm yourself uh, with those facts. And if you uh, are like me, like Greg said, to uh, put distance between yourself and any heavy objects or things that are breakable. And uh, if you are not, then go out and do what you can to to support, um, you know, uh, the people out there who deserve it. And uh, including also the, the artist Morbid. Look him up if you are a, a death metal fan. Uh, he uh, hopefully, you know, can can find his, his passion and some closure after the way he was treated uh, based on this. So, um Take it with some precaution. So, uh, Jimmy, yes, speaking sir. of precautions, uh, did you get a yeah. chance to load that audio file into your magical audio thing? I sure did. Okay. So right here into my magical audio thing. So I am, this was, we were going to do this a little earlier, but we had a lot of other little side things to talk about early, so I didn't do it. But I need to share with my our listeners and you two the pain that is my life. Mm. So, Brock, I like Greg's pain approximately eh, every once every week and a half or so I get a phone message and this phone extended warranty. Well, I get that about five times a day, but this is worse than that car's extended warranty thing. Okay. So my former roommate, Tara, a good friend, lover to pieces. 
she just decided to call me, or no, it's actually text me, uh, with a terrible, uh, I guess, what is she, her wording? She, um, a terrible version of a famous hit song. So, uh, okay. so she calls me up and sings a song into my voicemail or sends me a recording of it. And I'm going to play this for you. Now that you have to be part of it and all 1000 of our listeners or whatever we are, have out there. And you guys can try to guess whatever song she is trying to sing. So my pain is now your pain and uh, go ahead and hit the button, Jimmy. Failed to play audio file. Oh! Denied! I don't know what song that is. You sent me an M4A. All right. Here we go. (coughs) No, I can't forget this evening. Oh, your face as you were leaving. But I guess that's just the way the story goes. You always smile, but in your eyes, your sorrow shows. Yes, it shows. No, I can't forget tomorrow when I think of all my sorrow. But when I had you there, but then I let you go. And oh, it's only fair that I should let you know what you should know. So, so, what, so what do you think? Live, live, live. Jimmy's eyebrows are crawling off the top of his head. Oh. Uh, this is what I deal with. It's been, I've been dealing with it since my birthday because it started with her singing a birthday song to me. Do we do we let it go any further? Rob, you have no idea. I, I have know. no idea. Do we do we go a little bit more? Uh, if, if you'd like, give it away at some point. I don't think so. I can. I can. So if you, I didn't have any idea either. Okay. I'm, it is a song that's been recorded over by over hundred and eighty different artists. And is without you. Yep. Um, I feel like I should know this. Can't live. I can't live anymore. I still have nothing. I can't live if living is without you. I can't. Is it? I can't live if living. Oh yeah. I can't live if living is without you. Yes, it is. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I can't forget this evening. Oh, your face is you leaving. All right. So Man. That, that song is called <laughs> Without You. Rob mm-hmm. got it. I had a feeling that he would, actually. Originally Rob recorded yeah, originally recorded in the 70s by the British rock group Badfinger. Uh, then it was uh, recorded again by Harry Nilsson. Uh, Air Supply played it. And Mariah Carey actually turned it into a huge hit in 1994. And it was just ruined for everyone. By my former roommate Tara. Oh, Badfinger, uh, performers of Baby Blue, was so iconically used in the very end of Breaking Bad. Yep, 
Yeah. Thank you, Tara. And, but I guess that's just the way the story goes. <laughs> God. Uh, and I apologize. She's got a beautiful voice. Yes. Rob, take us out of here. Well, that'll do it for our side A episode. So remember to join us next week for our side B episode, where we're going to talk about Six String Samurai. And of course, we'll give you our give me five question of the week. If you would read, if you would like to reach out and talk to us, you can email us at give me five podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the give me five podcast. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at give me five pod, or you can go directly to our website, give me five podcast.com. And remember all of those, all of those are spelled out F I V E, not the number five. And if you would be interested in picking up some of that sweet, sweet Give Me Five swag, we do have a couple of nice designs out there. You can pick all of that up at the Give Me Five Podcast.threadless.com or go to our website and you'll find a direct link. Thank you guys so much for listening. Good morning, good afternoon, and. Been in your eyes, your sorrow show. <laughs> Yes, it's show.